You're listening to I'm Still Learning, and I'm your host, Megan. This is not just the very first episode of this podcast, but also the first episode in a series on endometriosis. I was officially diagnosed with endometriosis back in 2019, but I've been dealing with this disease since about the age of 12. Through this series, I hope to raise awareness on the disease itself, but also raise awareness to the patients and what they have to go through. Everything from getting an official diagnosis, symptoms, treatments, and beyond. My first guest is Jenna Vorsky. Jenna is 23 years old and has been living with endometriosis for 10 years. In February of 2021, she finally received a definitive endometriosis diagnosis after having her first laparoscopic surgery. This past year, she has been using her blog, Honestly Endo, to advocate for and connect with other endometriosis patients. Jenna is a first-year medical student at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Her day-to-day life mainly includes going to class, studying for exams, and shadowing physicians in different fields as much as she possibly can. While she's currently undecided on what specialty she would like to go into, two of her biggest interests are OBGYN and orthopedic surgery. This summer, Jenna plans on being involved in endometriosis research in order to continue to find new ways to diagnose and treat endometriosis. Her endometriosis isn't the only reason why she is in medical school, but it definitely played a big role in where she is today. Let's talk to Jenna. Yeah, I'm Jenna. I'm 23 years old and currently I'm a medical student. I'm in my first year of medical school at Pitt. Um, it's been crazy this first semester adjusting, but it's been a lot of fun and I, I really love it. And kind of about me and how I got here is that I've been living with endometriosis um, for 10 years now, which sounds crazy, but I had my first operation last year and kind of coming out and speaking up about my endometriosis has been a whirlwind and a new experience, but it's led me to a lot of new people like you. And it's ultimately why I'm here and how I got here in my life today. Yeah. I think for a lot of us with endometriosis, it has taken way too long to get a diagnosis. I think for me, it was uh, 20 years, um, which was way too long in my opinion, but How did you, I guess, know that maybe something wasn't quite right when it came to your body and what was going on? What eventually led you to getting your diagnosis? Yeah, so I, in my case, it was kind of like as soon as I hit puberty, I was experiencing symptoms. Um, I pretty much got a period and it didn't stop. I was just bleeding all the time. And my situation was a little unique in the sense that I, I'm a triplet. So I grew up with two sisters who we were going through like all these life experiences with at the same time, like hitting all these milestones. So I think at one point it was just like, so are you guys going through this too? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, this stuff, this seems a little excessive. This something, yeah. something doesn't seem right. So I did seek care out pretty soon after I hit puberty, but I've had like very, I couldn't even tell you how many doctors I've seen, but I've had varying experiences, good and bad with physicians. Um, I've, I've tried all kinds of different things, birth control, depot injections, acupuncture, heating pads, like, or I was prescribed or Alyssa. I never took it though. Um, and then kind of found out on an ultrasound scan that I had a cyst on my ovary. And that's what really 
kind of sped up the whole surgical um, process and diagnosis last year. Okay. Yeah. I think um, it's pretty similar for a lot of us when it comes to treatment, right? Like I was on birth control for 10 years um, and I know birth control has its place for many things and some people it does help them, but for, I think a lot of us, it just masks the fact that we have symptoms and it's, you know, covering up that there's a a bigger issue. Um, But so how did you kind of manage your symptoms other than the birth control and the other things like that, especially now that you're in school. I know for me, um, I missed a lot of school, like, you know, junior high, high school. Um, and then college was obviously a challenge because when you miss classes in college, I mean, you can get behind really yeah. fast. So what, what are some of the things that you do, especially now in medical school to kind of um, work through those symptoms that you might still have? Yeah, well, kind of exactly what you said. And all throughout high school, I was missing school or I would, I would show up and then I would have to go home because yeah. um, it was so bad, but college was tough because at that point I had kind of, I'd lost hope in the, the treatment options I was presented with. So yeah. I was basically just trying to manage it on my own, which basically entailed having a heating pad on me as often as I could, um, staying in my dorm room, um, yeah. and in bed really, And then, like you said, I would kind of just, it came to the point where I just had to accept it, which you shouldn't have to do, but I would just, I would just suffer in class or there would be a few times I was able to skip or miss and I would do so. But I was pretty, I was the type of person that never really wanted to take like Advil or pain medication. I was prescribed like high dose Tylenol or, or something like that. So when it got really bad, I would take those, but it was really just awaiting like you I would just wait it out and yeah. in my head was really what I did so a lot of suffering and silence type of yeah. yeah it sounds very similar to to what I went through what are yeah. other than obviously pain um is a a big factor for a lot of us with endo but what other types of symptoms do you normally experience and I guess do you have it um all the time or is it just around your cycle what I mean what's that like for you yeah. So I, the bleeding, aside from pain, the bleeding was just the biggest thing for me. I would just bleed excessively and all the time and be passing these huge clots. So along with the pain I was having, I was pretty fatigued physically just because of my body was losing all that blood. And I was Mm -hmm. um, severely anemic at one point, which I didn't even know. Yeah. I almost had to get a blood transfusion, but somehow I just got higher iron levels by just taking supplements. So that was, those are really the, the, that was the big symptom for me was the bleeding. I know I've heard people say they have headaches or they have leg pain, which never was really a factor for me. It was just like the really bad cramping back pain and bleeding was, Mm -hmm. was what I've gone through. Uh, what made you want to talk about it and kind of start spreading awareness? Yeah, it just, it was crazy. I went into I, my first surgical consult and then I ended up scheduling surgery that same day. And I remember just coming home and I was just like, after so many years of this, there has like, there have to be other people going through this. Like, this is just like crazy. Cause I'd gone so many years and all I would be focused on is hiding it. Yeah. Like, hiding the fact that I have to get up and run to the bathroom, like every 30 minutes to an hour at school, hiding the fact that I was like sitting 
around people in class and pain. So I was just really honestly tired of hiding it and feeling like I couldn't just say like, hey, listen, I'm in pain right now. Like I need to like walk away. That's really, I just started thinking about other women out there that are going through the same thing. And it kind of just happened like one late night. I figured out how to, I've obviously used Instagram before, but found out how to kind of make a website platform and kind of just learned as I, I went for the last year, but it's been really awesome. And the support that others have given me is like a, a totally different way to heal in a sense because I hadn't had that support from others that had gone through it because my family is like of course they're they're amazing and have always supported me but the support that I've gained from others who have known what I physically went through was really like the best thing ever yeah I think that's um an important thing to note is you know I had support with my family they took care of me they took me to many many doctors like most of us have to see several doctors um and you know, whatever I needed, if I had to stay home from school or whatever, they were supportive, but it's hard to find people who really understand the struggle of, of what it's like to have to do all of those things. And, um, and yeah, I found the same, the same thing. I'm glad that I was able to connect with you and the more women I connect with and not just in the United States, but I found people all over the world. Um, and sharing their different experiences, even in like the, the medical side of things like healthcare. Um, there's a girl I follow, I shouldn't say girl, woman that I follow up. Um, she's in Canada and the difference between how she can get treated and how you can get treated in the United States. There's some things are better. Some things are not. Um, so it's, it's interesting to connect with, with different women and, and figure out, you know, we all have to go through something. Right. And it's just, it's different for everybody. Um, So what advice would you give to a young girl or a woman who maybe is experiencing symptoms like yourself or symptoms like me? Um, What advice would you give them when it comes to seeking out medical help? Yeah, well, I would certainly (laughs) think it's it's super hard, but I would just say that they, you know, your body best. And as a young 13-year-old girl walking into like the gynecologist's office and being seen or treated by this older male physician, it was very intimidating to me because yeah. I was like, he, they're not going to believe a word I say. They just think I'm this young at that point, like a, a child, really, like who's going to believe me? Being so, dramatic. Right. Like yeah. sensitive or like I couldn't, you know, couldn't mm-hmm. handle the normal pain that women are supposed to go through or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it, I would just say you, you have to know that you know your body best. And sometimes it stinks that you have to advocate that much for yourself and fight, really. I, it's a battle, I would call it. But yeah, you know yeah. your body and don't stop fighting for yourself until you feel heard by the right person. Yeah, I definitely agree with that 100%. And I think yeah. too, it um, people don't realize the mental toll, the emotional toll that it takes on you whether it's, you know, seeking treatment or you finally get that diagnosis, but you had to go through surgery to get it. I had to do the same. Um, What has it affected you and your mental health in any way? Yeah, it's funny because I never thought it, I never thought that it did. So I kind of was just at the point where I was so busy as a student 
but I was just like, I'm just going to push through it. And then it's like, I pushed through it for days and then weeks Mm -hmm. and then months. And now, now years at this point. And, but like looking back, I'm like, yeah, I was suffering physically, but it was having a, it was taking a toll on me emotionally for sure. Some of that had like the hormonal component to it, that Mm -hmm. the, the, birth control pill or the, the depot injections really messed with my emotional well-being because I would just be sad and I never wanted to accept that the injections were like affecting my mood I thought that I had yeah. a better handle on myself but it got to the point where my family's like yeah you are not yourself emotionally so I had to discontinue that but I realized that they were right when I would think about my physical well-being and thinking about the endometriosis and and what I was going through it did make me sad because I would just get mad and angry and sad at the fact that my body wasn't working really yeah I think um I didn't realize until I really started researching after I had my diagnosis that anxiety and depression are symptoms of Mm -hmm. endometriosis and whether like you said it's because of the hormonal factors And if you're on birth control, that could be it. Or it could just be the fact that you're going through so much physically that Mm -hmm. mentally it starts to wear you down. And um, once I kind of put those pieces together, I finally realized, wow, my anxiety is probably not just me being anxious all the time. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good to talk about because I kind of wanted to circle back to what you were saying that you were at one point, just constantly trying to hide what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went through that too. And I think it's because we don't really talk about women's health when it comes to like periods and endometriosis and PCOS and a million other things that could be going on. Um, And that I think plays into the mental health too, because you feel, I mean, at least for me, I felt embarrassed I would talk to my friends, like you talk to your sisters and be like, are you guys experiencing this too? Like, you know, I passed out in class the other day because I was in so much pain and they're looking at me like I'm insane. Yeah. And, um, I didn't realize until I got older how much that had affected me because I was just constantly trying to hide all of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's just crazy how a lot of women are still struggling to get a diagnosis and I feel for them you know, oh, yeah. mentally, not just right. physically, but mentally too. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned that endometriosis wasn't the sole reason that you wanted to go to medical school. So I'm curious as to what else, or I guess, what was the main thing that led you to going to medical school? Yes, it was, it was a lot of things really. I, it's kind of crazy because right as I was going, starting to go like through the doctor's appointments with my endometriosis I was undergoing testing for something completely different at the same time it was kind of just a freak thing timing wise I was going through cardiac testing for something called prolonged QT syndrome which is like an electrical problem with the heart um, which ultimately thankfully I was determined that I did not have that but I went through a year of it and then I remember just standing in the kitchen one day with my mom and I was probably just like early into my teen years. And I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. And she was like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I think I could be a cardiologist. Like that seems like a cool job. So that's really like the first time I ever thought that I was going to be a doctor. Um, 
And then obviously I've gone through this whole thing with endometriosis and throughout college and high school, I just realized that I could really see myself doing the work and shadowing had been a big thing. Shadowing to me is like the most fun thing I get to do (laughs) as a medical student because I leave the hospital and like, I feel like a little kid because I'm just like on such a high, like I'm so happy. Um, But yeah, and then last year, right before I got accepted, meeting my surgeon, I just remember thinking like, if I can be half the doctor this guy is, like, that would be amazing. Yeah. So meet, yeah, meeting like inspiring physicians like him has played a big role um, in how I got here too. Who was your surgeon again? Dr. Mansuria. Oh, that's right. Okay. So Jenny and I both had Dr. Lee. Yeah. Um, but I think your doctor, I guess they, they either studied together or. Yeah, I, think, I think that's right. I'm not sure okay. though, but I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely read about Dr. Lee as well. Do you still want to be a cardiologist or are you just feeling no, out? Cardiology has not necessarily been on the top of my list anymore. Right now, I'm most of my work is either in OB-GYN or orthopedic surgery. So that's kind of where my path has led me to this point. And it could very well change in the next months to a couple of years. But that's where I'm at right now. Okay. But my heart's not really set on, on anything yet. So we'll see where I end up. Well, you're first year medical student. You can figure yeah. <laughs> your yeah. time. I was like, you did that. Stay calm. You have a little bit of time to figure this out. I'm like, okay. Oh, so you mentioned that you over the summer are going to maybe do some research involving endometriosis. Do you know exactly what or where you're going to be doing that? No, we're still working on the logistics. I mean, I'll still be definitely like down here in Pittsburgh, probably at McGee, Um, but probably will be clinical research thinking that it might have a component of seeing how pelvic floor physical therapy helps either pre-op or post-op patients. Um, Yeah, that's where it's at right now, but I actually have a meeting about it this upcoming week. So we'll see if we have a, can get a better plan together going forward, but yeah, you'll have to keep me posted because, you know, I would love if somebody could find a way to diagnose this without having to go through surgery. (laughs) I know it's so crazy. Like there's no, you can't see it on ultrasound. There's not a blood test. Like it's just, it's like a guessing game sometimes. Yeah. Well, and that's, um, so I actually had two surgeries. Um, Mm -hmm. the first one was obviously to diagnose, but, um, my doctor who she's a fabulous doctor. Um, but even she'll say like, she's not an endo specialist. So she was able to do excision on some of it, but not all of it. Um, so I didn't find out until, unfortunately, I went to see Dr. Lee and I got copies of my medical records um, yeah. that they did ablation on a lot of it, um, which I think every endo patient pretty much knows that's not the way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah it's like a, like a Band-Aid basically, but um, it was, so I had that surgery um, and then I waited about a year and I was mm-hmm. still having a lot of pain, a lot of problems, and that's when I sought out a specialist and had a second surgery um and even though they say it's like minimally invasive I you can't be you're not prepared for that no like I mean the second time around I knew what to expect um and UPMC has a really great pre-op and post-op plan that they send patients ahead of time um I didn't have that the first time around 
but yeah, I mean, it's still surgery. Yeah. I, I remember when I went into work around like a few, like I was trying to request off like months in advance. Yeah. And my boss just said to me, it's just laparoscopic surgery. And I was like, it is not like, I've been waiting for this day for yeah. years. Like, this is a huge deal for me. And yeah, needless to say, I took off extra weeks because of that. Yeah. But yeah. that just made me angry. Cause it's like, no, this is, it's surgery is surgery. It's a, mm-hmm. it was a major operation for me. Yeah. I think again, like a lot of things with endometriosis, people don't realize that you know, okay, it's minimally invasive, but it's still surgery. It still involves a lot of different organs, um, depending on where they find it. And my first surgery, they told me I could go back to work after five days. And I went, yeah, I went back after six and it was not a good idea. It was that, that that healing process was rough the first time. Um, so the second time I was like, listen, they say I need to be off for two weeks, like not a day less. Um, yeah. And I, I took that two weeks and and I'm glad that I did because I was able to get myself ready to go back to work, even though I have like a desk type of job. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I was blown away at the lack of like, I guess, prep before right. my first surgery. Like, I mean, even those doctors were like, eh, it's fine. You can go back to work after five days. You'll be fine. Yeah. I, was, I was not fine <laughs> oh you're like this I'm not okay yeah it's um yeah so I mean that's something too I hope people kind of get from our little discussion here is like you know yeah. ask a lot of questions not okay. every not every surgeon um is a specialist and while they can certainly help you um it might not be the best option and yeah it's it's rough out there it really but, is <laughs> So before I wrap up with you, um, I sent you some questions. I'm going to do a little tiny segment called one thing. And since the podcast is all about learning things, um, I sent them to you ahead of time. I didn't want you to be <laughs> caught off guard. <laughs> um, so what is one important thing you learned with getting your diagnosis? I, I really learned how much of a battle it is to have endometriosis. Like, I got a diagnosis and that was the first time I had felt really heard and understood. And like that, the doctors that I were with had a true understanding of what I was going through. So I would say that I learned that never accept the pain that you think that you have to live with daily. Like nobody should just accept that like myself and probably you did for years. So it's a battle, but yeah, keep going until you, you get the answers and the help that you really deserve. I agree with that. Um, what is one thing you learned um, while dealing with your endo symptoms, but also not having it prevent living your life? Yeah, it's definitely a lot of trial and error. And that was the thing that I, I think I learned the most that the first thing, likely the first option that you're presented with will not be the last option or the best option. Yeah. So you kind of have to learn and navigate all these things being presented to you and really just find what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And it stinks because it can take some time, but yeah, you have to keep figuring out what works so that you can hopefully continue to live life even while trying to manage the symptoms of the disease. 
What's one thing you learned with shadowing doctors so far? One important thing, because I'm sure you've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the biggest thing for me that I observe the most is just how they talk to patients and how they interact with the, the patients they're seeing. Because some, some cases may be difficult or may be hard to talk about what's going on. So for me, I was like, oh, I feel like I could talk to, you know, I'm, I could talk to anybody. It's just having a conversation, but no, it can be, it can be difficult. So the biggest thing I've learned is taking some tools that hopefully I can use when talking to patients um, and having good bedside manner, really. Yeah. I think you being a patient though, too, gives you perspective. I, I think it does too, just because like, I'm like, I have gone through this. That was not so enjoyable. So I hopefully will never do that to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. What's one important thing you've learned while in college? Yeah. College for me, I think the biggest takeaway that I got from it was just to be myself. Um, it's, it's a fast four years, but it's like a lot happens in the four years and especially being in a, the science world and it's competitive trying to get into medical school. I just realized that I just have to be myself, do my own best, whatever that may mean for me and stop worrying about what others are doing and comparing myself to, to other people. That's an important, that is an important thing. Yeah, it is. All right. Last question is what is one thing you learned while sharing your story on social media, because that can be a not so pretty place to put yourself sometimes. Yeah, I was definitely nervous at first to, to do it, but I really have learned that there are people out there that are, are good people and supportive people. So it's really just shown me once again, that you don't have to suffer in silence and you don't have to go through it alone. And maybe social media is your way to connect with other people and, and find others that can really relate to you. Well, I'm glad you did because I found yeah. you on social media. Um, so I, about that. Yeah, I actually found you through uh, our mutual friend, Jenny. Yes. And I we, I think I ended up, I don't even think I messaged you um, or talked to you, but I joined your um, Endo 5K team. Yes. Just because I just put myself in there. I was like, she doesn't know yeah. who I am, but I'm going to, it was a virtual walk. Cause yeah. I think it, it was like, I think it was 2020. Right. Um, but yeah, Jenny had joined your team and she had posted something and yes. I found it. And then eventually the three of us came together. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm glad that you have your blog. I've read, I think everyone, every post so far, um, the vacation ones were, the vacation ones were good because that's something I always struggle with, yeah. um, how to be prepared while on vacation. I know. Uh, but, I think ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So your blog is honestly endo mm -hmm. and your IG handle is honestly endo, right? At honestly endo. Yep. Are those the two places you are the most, or yeah. is there anywhere else that people can find you? Yeah, no, those are definitely the two main platforms I am on every day and check out every day. So yeah, if you would ever want to reach out to me, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about anything endometriosis related or life related or med school. I'm there. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll make sure I put those um, when this goes live so people can find you. And thank you yeah. again for being my guinea pig, my very first yeah. guest. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I'm All so right. happy to be doing this.
we'll take care. And if anybody wants to find Jenna, you can find her blog. It's honestlyendo.com. Yeah, dot com. Dot com. Honestlyendo.com. Dot com.